0: It's Tuesday and you know what that means it's a blinded by sports Tuesday here on the and Spotify I'm Colin future host this Tuesday joined by my wonderful co-host who's sporting the Borussia Dortmund kit and jacket today Sean Clark Sean how are you today?
1: Yes, doing great. Yes, repping the Dortmund in honor of Gio Reyna, who scored his first goal for the U.S. men's national team, which we'll talk about shortly. But I'm also doing great because the Patriots beat the Ravens, and the Ravens are, in my opinion, the true nemesis of the Patriots dynasty and my least favorite team in the NFL. And I also don't like Lamar Jackson, so I have great satisfaction. Colin, let's get into this. What you got for me today?
0: Let's get into it. Indeed. You mentioned it yourself, Sean, talking about Gio Reyna, you know, the, the young star who we saw come through the Borussia Dortmund ranks and is now actually becoming that starting 11 and has been a very key component in Borussia's success so far this season. The U.S. men's national team. We talked about them last week. We previewed them and we had their two matches. We had them against Wales and now we had them against Panama. Let's start with the Wales game. This obviously, this is a brand new starting eleven for Greg Berhalter and company. Uh, obviously, no Christian Pulisic. Obviously, we're, we're missing some key MLS stars. We're looking at maybe Brendan Aronson. We're looking at, you know, Jordan Morris, guys who, who couldn't be there for MLS preview, uh, MLS Cup playoffs, which we will talk about later. So we saw some new fill-ins come in. So a completely almost unknown starting eleven. Uh, Sean, take us through the Wales game, obviously ended in a zero zero draw, but playing against a club like Wales, especially with a brand new 11, uh, were you upset with the result?
1: I'm not too upset about this match just because this was the first international match for the U S men's national team in over eight months, over eight months. So there was going to be a lot of rust and also with the MLS playoffs, they weren't able to field the lineup that they wanted. They fielded a bunch of players from other European leagues. They didn't really have many great chances. Giarena Arena had a solid chance, but other than that, it was a very steel match. It was, it was, it was basically just a back and forth match in the midfield. Neither team was able to get much traction. Sebastian Leggett could not crack through to get a goal it was just a very dull match to be perfectly honest and i think i think this this was a match that us men's national team was shaking off the cobwebs that that's to me is what this match ultimately was and in the in the following match you saw them actually get into a rhythm
0: uh, yeah this was definitely i mean having a new 11 uh, you know you look back at the the match they had before wales you know you talked 8 months ago against Costa Rica was their last match that they had Uh, a one, one nil law or one nil win. Sorry, I should say. Um, And a lot of the players that we saw out on the field against Wales, weren't even a thought process for Greg, Greg Berhalter and the U S men's national team uh, during that one nil win. And so seeing these new young guys come in without those MLS players, the first, Non for the first no MLS lineup, and I think US men's national team history. I mean, granted, previous stuff, but since the league's inception. Um, so I think having a bunch of young players, you know, the, the average age on this team was 22 years old, which is if you're looking for bright, young US talent, there you go, it's on display on the field right there. So against a Wales team that was especially, we knew when we even previewed it last week, this was going to be a defense heavy club the defense heavy nation national team um Gio Reyna didn't even have the best day either uh he didn't look super lively I think he was worn out a little bit from playing uh with Dortmund but obviously as transitioning now into the Panama match this is what these these two matches granted this is Panama and Wales two clubs that aren't going to be contending for too much this was definitely a, a Panama young team as well uh, but we definitely got the result that you wanted a 6-2 win for the U.S. men's team. Sean, what did you see in this match compared to the Wales match uh, that really stood out to you?
1: Well, what I saw in this match was a team that actually looked like they were in rhythm and they actually had energy. As you mentioned, they, they were probably all the players were probably a little bit tired from playing in Europe. So it was, U.S. was definitely a fresher in this match. And while the back line did concede two goals, which was a bit questionable. The attack looked tremendous. Gio Reina scored his first goal for Uzbekistan on a on a free kick where he just he just line drived it past the goalkeeper's left for a for a goal to equalize. And how about Nicholas G- Giacchini? Gia Giachini. Giacchini, okay, my my bad. I got you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, and Sebastian Soto. How about these two players each getting two goals? And I had to look up who they played for because I had I I was not familiar with them heading into this match. So Giacchini po- plays for oh okay how, I Stadi Maherde Kane.
0: I, where, where is that, Sean?
1: <laughs> that is the, the second-tier French League. I apologize to any French listeners. I probably butchered the heck out of that. And Sebastian sort of plays for SC Telstar, which, which sounds like a village in Skyrim. And that is the second division in the Dutch League. So the, 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 the division below the one that Ajax dominates every single year. So th- these two youngsters playing in clubs I have never heard of scoring two goals shows just how bright of a future the U.S. men's national team has. There's a lot of exciting prospects on this team, and this is something we didn't see a few years ago. A few years ago, we just saw a bunch of old veterans getting playing time and being absolutely terrible. Just Look up Alex, Alexi uh, Lawless's uh, rant on the U.S. Men's National Team a few years ago, which was perfect because it showed what it was at the time. Now U.S. is a team that is full of youngsters and promising talent, which was not the case a few years ago. So it really goes to show just how bright the future is for the U.S. Men's National Team, as you highlighted in your few fortunes of the U.S. Men's National Team. And I'll end with this. So US continues to just dominate Panama. How it still boggles my mind that Panama was in the World Cup and not US. It, it this match just makes that even more frustrating, but luckily brighter days are ahead. We can we're slowly moving on from the dark days of October 10th, 2017, a day that even when I'm 90 years old I'll never forget.
0: Absolutely, you know the U.S. should have been in the World Cup. That's ultimately the point that we got here, but we weren't, and I think that was a great wake-up call for the for the United States Soccer Federation. Uh, so this 6-2 result, granted, yes, it was against a Panama B even C team. This is the one of their youngsters taking on ours. Uh, granted, because there's either playoffs going or players that didn't want to play for the country because they're trying to get back into back into rhythm. Um, but seeing this 11 versus the one that we had in Wales, granted, we had a lot more of that similar, uh, lineup, look at what they were able to do. And there's a few players, you know, you got to highlight, obviously you got to look at the studs we've been used to Weston McKinney was an absolute catalyst in that midfield, not only shutting down plays where needed, but also setting up a lot of attacks, especially on that third goal that was scored off a crazy little, almost played out of the end line of Panama. And, keeps it in play gets the assist um and then you know look at reggie cannon you know our boy reggie cannon former right back for fc dallas uh now playing what in portugal i believe um just looked fantastic he provided a lot of service out there and i think he played a great contrast especially in a guy like Serginho deaths who's playing you know in the starting 11 for fc barcelona which uh, two different two different mentalities in two different clubs obviously uh look at Yunus musa though too as well who was just a stud he's only i think 18 years old he torched the panama midfield he w- could carry that ball left he could carry basically wherever he wanted he has plenty of speed he's got a lot of ability to be able to break a defense down and what i really liked in comparison to this is obviously panama took the lead early on on a beautiful cross mind you that found the head of Fajardo to the uh, far post uh, uh, against Zach Steffen and Zach Steffen really didn't have a lot to do the entire match until that, I'll say the final half hour of the second half. Uh, but a lot of these players stepped up and you liked seeing the adversity that they had to go against. You know, th- this was a team that the US was expected to beat and going down one nil, you know, your backs are now against the wall you've got to score two goals and get the win you're expected to get. And we're going to see a lot of people hate against, you know, the fact that they got this win and it's like, Oh, it's only Panama. Yes. But you shouldn't just say that because it's the result you were expected to get. And so the fact that you were able to do it, you know, by a four goal margin, yes, the defense has to sure itself up a little more. I think Tim Ream being back there, congratulations to him getting his captain, his captainship. But I don't think that's the, that's the best pairing back there. I still prefer John Brooks back there. I would like to see Chris Richards get a little bit more of a start back there. Um, this is very. This is not the, the, the starting 11 for the World Cup that we're going to see by any means. But we're now starting to see that we have the talent to really, I think, be a force going later on. But the U.S. needs to lock down Yunus Musa and Sebastian Soto because they do have other national teams that they can play for. And we've seen them do it in the past because at this young age, you have the ability. But once you're qualified for the senior national team, you do have to make a certain choice at a point. So U.S., lock them down, get Musa. get Soto, get those guys in. Because the difference between that Wales game and this Panama game is we had a true number nine starting. We saw Gio Reyna have a bright spot. We obviously saw Weston McKinney be that catalyst. Tyler Adams started rough, and ended, uh, ended doing pretty well. So I think as an 11, this was, I would say, maybe a six or seven out of 10 uh, on a, on a rating of what you could have done against this Panama team. I think it could have been better. I think you obviously there was that Giochini should have had a hat trick. Uh, he had a terrible penalty taken that was saved against him. It should have been seven, two we, beggars can't be choosers though. I'll, I'll take a one draw, one win, especially in two, their what second game after being gone for eight months. I'll take it. Can't complain too much about that. Moving on from a national perspective, though, to let's look at, an, uh, you know, MLS, we've talked about, playoffs are coming soon, the, my favorite time of year, MLS Cup playoffs, especially now that it's no longer the two-game aggregate, we're down to the one-game, one-game little shootout here, MLS Cup playoffs, Sean, obviously, love this time of year. Let's start out in the Eastern Conference play-in games. They there had to have a play-in game because Eastern Conference being bigger. So they're trying to see, hey, who can make it in? And we have a battle of the expansion. So let, let's, we're just going to go rapid fire here, Sean. Start with the play-ins, then East Coast, then we'll go West Coast. So let's, go, let's start with Nashville taking on Inter-Miami. Who do you like? Who wins? Then we move on to the next match.
1: I like Nashville over Miami. Their back line has been very solid. Walker Zimmerman, I feel like, is going to score the winning goal. Nashville, but I like them more all around. They take it.
0: That's I, I have to agree with you as well. I think Nashville has shown more brighter sparks. We obviously saw uh, what they were able to do against Orlando, taking it uh, very late on in that, winning 3 2 out there, especially against an Oscar Pereja club that's been tough to beat. I see Nashville taking it as well. Moving over to New England and Montreal. Who do you like there?
1: As much as I don't want to go against the Arsenal GOAT, Tiare Henry, I have to. Montreal has conceded the most goals in the Eastern Conference. I think New England takes it. They just have too much firepower on the front line.
0: Yeah. I Okay, so you and I, are in, in, in sharing mindset here, we both think that Nashville and New England are moving through. I think – Bruce Arenas, you know, head coach now for the, for the New England Revolution, taking on Thierry Henry, first-year head coach for the Montreal Impact. I think what Arenas has been able to do with the Revolution, being able to take over for this club and show what he's been able to produce, even with the, you know, missing of Carlos Heel and stuff like that, uh, just be able to make it to this point, be able to make it to the play-ins. Uh, here we are. So Bruce Arenas, I think, takes it over Thierry Henry, which would I be saying that sentence in a normal time? That's just bizarre to say. So the higher seed taking against Toronto. So I want to say, is that New England and Toronto? Question mark? I believe uh, it, it, would be,
1: act, it would actually be be Nashville, right? Nashville, Nashville against Nash- Toronto and New England. Nashville,
0: and New Nashville England. Toronto, and New England and Philly. So let's go let's start with Toronto and New England or uh, and Nashville. Who do you like there?
1: Alejandro Posuelo plays for Toronto. End of story. There you go. So Toronto,
0: there. Uh, you know, you I. You got to go with Toronto. The experience that Greg Vanny has been able to build with this uh, with this Toronto club, and I think Nashville. Congratulations for them getting this far. But Alejandro Prosuelo, if the back line can really get uh, get intact, getting this connection, I think if uh, Quentin Westberg can have a good game in goal, and I really think depending on who they put up front, whether it be uh, Altidore you know, he can stay healthy or if they put A.R. Akinola in either way, I think Toronto wins Philly taking on new England, Sean, who do you like there?
1: As much as I want an all time shocker to happen, Philly has too much firepower. They're not going to choke yet. They will, they will win this match easily.
0: No, I I agree. Philly, Philly is obviously supporter shield champions. Jim Curtin is now the reigning uh, MLS coach of the year. should have been Oscar Pereja. Um, but there's a reason he was MLS coach of the year Philly has just been trending upward, signing good players, building that depth. And I think their depth and ultimately just what they've been able to do with their midfield and being able to find the back of the net, just going to do too much to Bruce arenas and uh, new England, moving on to Orlando taking on NYC FC.
1: I'll be honest. This is the one match in the first round that I don't feel comfortable with my pick. I, uh, I'm gonna go with Orlando just barely, and the reason I give them the edge is because Chris Muller has been an absolute stud for Orlando City in the last couple of months. He's been on a torrid pace, and NYCFC. Yes, they got good playmakers, but like Maxi Morales. But we saw what NYCFC did in the playoffs last year against Toronto. They are underachievers in the playoffs, and Orlando just has too much momentum. And remember, this is the same club that made it to the MLS back tournament final and also I feel like Nani's gonna do something special too so Orlando, but it's gonna be close
0: I do think it's funny Sean that you're so hesitant to say that Orlando would not win this match because I feel pretty confident that they would just because you look at the talent that they uh they have out there obviously Luis Nani you've got Daryl Daryl Dyke Daryl DK however you say it who's just been a stud since his signing with Orlando he's a massive number nine out there he's going to be a handful for that back line of nyc fc to deal with and then you look at guys like benji michelle who's been coming off the bench and then you mentioned chris mueller even uh perea out there in the in the midfield i think there's just too much talent in that midfield and that uh, that front that in comparison to what nyc fc bring to the table i think orlando actually takes it pretty comfortably Moving on to your guys, the Columbus crew, and, and uh, the other New York team, the New York Red Bulls. I think you and I are in comparison here, Sean. Who do we think is going to win here? Okay, well, first of all,
1: go loons. So that's who my guys okay, are. Okay,
0: your, your East team, because in our Philly-Columbus debate here.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, obviously going to go Columbus. There is, there is absolutely nothing special about this New York Red Bulls team. The fact that Tom Barlow is your main scorer shows – just how far the Red Bulls have fallen from the dominant team that they had in 2018. I think Columbus takes it one, nothing as they completely shut down the Red Bulls offense.
0: Yeah. And that, that's the key here is, uh, did they pull off an amazing upset over, you know, Toronto? Yes, they did, but they had to rely on some unlikely goal scores and Tom Barlow and Brian White. Uh, and then, you know, they kind of just sat back and part the bus and even still, it was only a two, one win ultimately, uh, you know, to help preserve their playoff life. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you got to look at Columbus out here. John artist was actually up there in the top three when it came to the golden boot, which who would have thought I'd be saying that this season, John C. also also Lucas El is back healthy, uh, being able to, you know, nitpick things and Pedro Santos out there that complements them. And then obviously I think, I don't understand how he still continues to be such an underrated player. Former Portland Timber, former Atlanta United man, now Columbus crew member, Darlington Negmi out there in the central midfield, being able to pull the strings there. I think there's just, once again, I think talent outweighs uh, what's going to happen with New York. This is not the same New York Red Bulls that we saw just even three seasons ago. Moving out west, I think the west is going to be, interestingly, I think this is going to be where we're going to see some shocks and awe happen out here. So let's start. Let's start, you know, with the number one seed out in the West, taking on the San Jose Earthquakes. SKC taking on the San Jose Earthquakes. Who do you like in this matchup?
1: A part of me really wants to pull the trigger and pick the Earthquakes. You know what? I will. I am going to pick the San Jose Earthquakes to shock Sporting KC. Sporting KC is the worst number one seed I have ever seen in any sport. I don't... I, my mind is boggled how they finished above the Sounders and the Timbers. I, I truly do not understand it. The only reason I can come up with is that Seattle and Portland just beat up each other. That's like the one thing I can come up with as to why Sporting KC got the one seat. Yes, Sporting KC is defensively in midfield style, but San Jose kind of has a guy named Chris Wondolowski, who if he gets hot, he can really explode. And we've seen Sporting KC falter against creative teams like the timbers in 2018 for example i think san jose in the one match format if this was two i'd pick sport and kc but because it's one match i think san jose gets hot they have nothing to lose and i think they take the shocking upset boom i said it i uh, you
0: know sean just to just to go against it because you know we agreed on the whole east coast i am going to pick kansas city and the only reason why is You look at what they've been able to do with their roster. Obviously, Johnny Russell has just been a stud since his inception into the league. They've got Roger Roger Espinosa, Jerso Fernandez, John Luca Busio, who's actually been one of the youngsters that surprised me, even playing for his sport in Kansas City. And then, obviously, Eric Hurtado, there's just a lot of fire for this club, a lot of firepower for this club. And we've seen, obviously, San Jose have a very shaky backline at times. Granted, they've shored that up a little bit more, but we saw what Seattle was able to do against them in that closing matchup, the winning 4-1 there. So I think I got to pick Sporting Kansas City, especially playing at home. And they're also, ha- they're one of the very few cities right now that are allowing fans. I think just that little bit of fan atmosphere out there is just going to ultimately what's going to end up taking it. Moving on to the, former, the following matchup, we're going to talk Minnesota United, your boys out west, taking on the Colorado Rapids, who played the least amount of matches out of anyone in MLS.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. This is going to be a very close matchup that's going to make me extremely nervous to watch. This is Minnesota United's second playoff match ever last year. It was their first against the LA Galaxy, and they lost 2-1, to one, which was terrible to watch, to say the least. I watched Ethan Finley have the worst performance I've ever seen in any soccer match I've ever seen. But Ethan Finley's had a solid season so far. And how about Robin Lode? Nine goals this season out of the midfield spot. He is... He has been at the right place at the right time on many goals this season. He has great finishing ability. And I think because of Iko, because of Ico Parr, because of Ozzie Alonso, the, the Seattle, Seattle Sounders legend, I think Minnesota has just enough defense to be able to hold off Colorado. And I think, and I, I think that Luis Amarillo, who hasn't been as good as advertised, I think he steals a late winner with the assist from Lode. I think it's going to be zero zero most of the match, and it's going to be very ugly. But ultimately, I think Minnesota gets it done late, and I'm going to lose my mind. And Minnesota will then play their better rival, Sporting KC, potentially in the next round. Although I do think it's going to be San Jose. So Sounders loons on the conference finals, perhaps? We'll see. We'll stick with the first round for now. Sean,
0: I hate to do this to you. Uh, just. I, I got to pick Colorado here and I, I know you're probably going to be looking at me crazy and I expect that nonetheless. Um, but he, here's my reason why first off, like I mentioned, they've played the least amount of matches simply because of their COVID cases. They played what eight, 17, 18 matches so far. The two games that they played against the Minnesota United was a two, two draw, and then a two, one win for Minnesota. But you look at the change that Colorado was able to make. This was one of the hottest clubs coming in to it, into the uh, into the season before the COVID shutdown. And even after everything, this was a team that, while they were figuring out their back line, has, you know, just had back-to-back wins, not only against, obviously, granted, their last match was against Houston Dynamo, but they beat Portland and they beat Seattle. And against that Seattle game, it was a pretty convincing 3-1 win. Uh, they've done... The, th- the, th- the biggest thing for me of what, why Colorado will take this is simply look at, once again, the depth is what has ultimately won out playoffs here so far, especially in MLS. We see what depth can do. But Andre Shinyashiki they've got Nicholas Mosquita. They have a man I'm not too fond of, which is uh, Benaze who formerly played for Toronto, who almost scored, opened up the uh, MLS Cup last season against Seattle, uh, Diego Rubio. They've got Keegan Rosenberry, who had an absolute scorcher against Seattle. Uh, there's just a lot of depth on this team or on this club, I should say. And I, I ultimately think they pull it out against uh, against Minnesota. And it breaks my heart to say that against you, Sean. But I, I do think they end up taking it.
1: Fine. I, I get
0: it. I get when- it. I moving do. moving on, we've got Portland taking on FC Dallas. Who FC Dallas to me has been one of the most disappointing teams to me in MLS playoffs. Sean, who do you think takes it here? I think we'd be in agreement here.
1: Portland. Portland's basically is basically Dallas, but better. But I don't need to say anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, Portland, Portland takes it. Not only do they get to play at home, granted there's no fans. But you got the Charas, uh, you got a healthy Jeremy Obobasi coming back. Granted, you have no more Sebastian Blanco, you got Diego Valeri that you, that's playing obviously just fine. There's just, I, I don't see FC Dallas picking apart Portland. I think this is a very comfortable win for Portland. Moving on to, I don't know how Seattle manages to have the same teams to play every season in every MLS Cup playoffs. We've got the Seattle Sounders taking on the LAFC. Uh in Seattle this time around though. Sean, who do you like in this and why?
1: Well, I'll sum it up. I'll sum it up this way. If Seattle could beat them last season, then they'll easily beat them this season. Yes, LAFC does not cross veil back, and obviously they're gonna be a threat, but LAFC has no back line to speak of. They have no defense, and LAFC is gonna rely solely on the count on the on the counterattack. Also, Diego Rossi. Uh, most likely is not going to be available because because of of him playing for Uruguay. So LAFC is going to be very shorthanded and on top of that their backline is awful. I think Seattle wins this. I'm going to say 5 to 2. I won't
0: I won't be that confident in a score line. I, I love that idea of having that kind of score line, but yeah, you mentioned it. Granted, in the and you know, the MLS's back tournament, LAFC got their revenge and then you know, they had the back and forth shootouts against each other like they always seem to. But in their last matchup, you know, Seattle took that. And then, yes, Carlos Vela is back. But, you know, you mentioned it yourself. They're not going to have Brian Rodriguez. They're not going to have Diego Rossi. They're going to be absent of a lot of those guys that really make this offense tick. Um, Especially, you know, golden boot winner Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela. Yes, he scored two and two. But they were both pretty easy goals if we look at it. Um, So, And we've seen that the depth for LAFC simply can't take on what Seattle can do, especially with... Raul Rui Diaz, who will be not only coming back from international play, but he does not have to quarantine because he's already had COVID due to, MLS, uh, due to the MLS standards. Jordan Morris, who looked very good in that last match. Nicholas Lodero, who bagged himself a goal in the last match. The front three guys that you want to have hot going into your season, especially having a strong backline performance like you just had with the AMR and uh, Javier Arriaga, looks too comfortable. I think Seattle takes it as well. Quick little recaps there. Good job, Sean. I loved having that. But moving from football to football as we always do. Boy, did we have a game. The Buffalo Bills who just took down MVP and the, you know, potential MVP candidate Russell Wilson, you know, pretty convincingly by a 10-point win, taking on one of the hottest teams in the NFC and the Arizona Cardinals. Boy, did we have a game. Josh Allen so far winning, at least on Fox Sports, the uh, midseason MVP as the Buffalo Bills were now, what, seven and two? Seven and three because, you know, bye weeks happen. Uh, Yeah, Sean, break down this insane game that
1: we had. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I tell you what, the Arizona Cardinals have been must-watch television this NFL season. They're probably the most entertaining team. They had the game of the year against Seattle, as we discussed a few weeks ago. They I watched them lose to the Miami Dolphins in a 34 31 thriller. And then holy fill in the blank. What was that ending? So Cardinals were up 26 23 after trailing 23 9 to Buffalo. It's a back and forth game. Josh Allen leads a great drive, throws a Throws a late touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs as he beat Patrick Peterson one on one to give the Bills the lead with under 30 seconds. I thought to myself, all right, Josh Allen, you did it. You just led a great late game drive. You just put your team at eight and two. Congratulations. Oh, hold, 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 hold the horses here. Uh, Cardinals got to the Buffalo 42, but they were down four, so they need to score a touchdown. I'm like, okay, only they they, they their only hope is a Hail Mary. Wait, you're telling me they actually converted the Hail Mary? I- I'll tell you what, when I saw this play, I absolutely lost my mind because of how insane this play was. Five years ago, Aaron Rodgers threw a Hail Mary against the Cardinals in the playoffs, one of the most insane games ever, and Kyler did something very similar. He rolled to his left, twisted across his body, and just absolutely launched a prayer. DeAndre Hopkins was triple covered. Triple Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, and Micah Hyde, three legit defenders were all around him. And all three of them were right around the ball. And DeAndre still caught it. How? Wow. It was one of the most insane Hail Marys I have ever seen. It just goes to show that DeAndre Hawkins is a game changer. And I, I, I just got to bring this up. Imagine trading, Bill, imagine trading DeAndre Hopkins for a washed-up running back and a second-round pick. Yeah, the guy who caught a Hail Mary in triple coverage was traded for a washed-up running back and a second-round pick. It just goes to show how fortunate the Cardinals were that they were able to, to make this deal. Cardinals are must-watch television. The Cardinals are now 6-3, and three, tied for the division lead with the Los Angeles Rams and the seattle seahawks they will face off on thursday can't wait to see that Kyler murray has shown that he is a legit quarterback i think he's now proven that he's better than lamar jackson plain and simple he better than lamar jackson Kyler murray is a top 10 quarterback in the nfl now which i can't believe i'm saying that he is special he is a special talent there's a reason he was the number one overall pick cardinals are heading in a great direction well done cardinals
0: Yeah, you you mentioned it, just the catch itself, triple coverage, DeAndre Hopkins, that's your guy, that's the one you're looking for, and, uh, you know, you got it, in a a matchup against Josh Allen, who, you know, is looking to look a very good Bills team, especially an offense that's come alive for them, uh, you know, to eight and two potentially, and, you know, I mentioned it before we started our show here tonight, Sean. The Cardinals have now won four out of their last five against opponents that have not been slouches to say the least. Uh, You know, obviously most notable being the Seattle Seahawks and then, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills and that. But just the fact that Kyler Murray just seems to do what a lot of people love crediting, you know, my quarterback, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson. He just has a will to win. And that is what he's willing to do. He's willing to do what he has to do for this team to get them to get them to win and that's exactly what he did did he have to rely on a hail mary of course he did but you said he's better than lamar jackson and what makes him different from lamar is he can throw and he can throw well lamar jackson as we you know we'll cover later you look at any ball that he tries to attempt to throw over 20 yards he's normally going to overshoot you and just because he's a little over ambitious because he's like what people aren't as fast as i am um yeah, I love, you just have to say that Kyler Murray is a legit quarterback. And the, you can't take that away from him. He's definitely top 10 this season if he hasn't proven to even make conversation for top five. But he's definitely special. He's got plenty of speed on him. His awareness of the game. And you look at him compared to his offensive lineman. I'm genuinely baffled how he's even able to make some of the plays that he does. Dude, because he's tiny. Kyler, Kyler Murray is a tiny quarterback. Uh, very similar to, you know, a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees kind of guy who probably have trouble seeing behind their own offensive line. So congratulations to the Arizona Cardinals who are now, you know, like you mentioned, tied for the lead in the NFC West. Um, and uh, k- kudos to them. Moving on, Sean, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll wrap up with my team. Let's talk yours after, you know, a big upset over the baltimore ravens the new england patriots are four and five but we digress to anyways the the massive upset that bill belichick cam newton and company had over baltimore sean take us through your feelings how are you feeling about this massive upset obviously you know them be you talked about baltimore almost being the bane of your existence
1: Oh, they have been the bane of my existence. I have, I have dealt with the Ravens going to New England four times in the postseason. We won two of them. Arguably, we shouldn't have won either one of those, and then we lost the other two. The Ravens have been the bane of my existence. They only 13, but guess what? Patriots beat them. Got revenge for the 37-20 beatdown last season. that ended the Patriots undefeated season. Now, here are my three takeaways. Number one. It goes to show that Lamar Jackson cannot get it done. The elements, he was good statistically. If you look at it statistically, he was solid. And there was a lot of things out of his control. But but guess what? He doesn't have the difference-making factor. I get Lamar Jackson had a solid game. I get he lost to Bill Belichick and a Monsoon. I get all of that. But at the same time, a leader carries through with his troops when it matters the most am i right colin carries through the troops when it matters the most absolutely right and he didn't do that he was pouting on the bench and he just seemed lost he's not a leader on this team number two patriots just need more talent we need speed on offense But if we can get more talent in the coming years, the Patriots are going to be good no matter who the quarterback is. Cam Newton was efficient when he needed to be. And how about Damian Harris? A absolute steal in the the later rounds of the draft. Replaced Sony Michelle, and I don't notice a difference because, because Damian Harris has been a very, very solid addition for this Patriots team. He's taken the reins from Sonny Michelle. Well, he has power and speed, a great combination. And I can't wait to see him continue to be the feature back for the Patriots in the coming years. And my third takeaway is this. And I do have to be a bit realistic. Calm down my hype here. Long-term, this wasn't a great win. The Patriots are four and five. They're not going to make the playoffs. There are too many other good teams in the AFC. The Miami Dolphins might be the fourth best team in the NFL. Yes, I I just said it, but just just to think about it. It's it's highly possible. So the Patriots are in no position to make the playoffs. Long term, this winning this game it was a good confidence booster, but long term it wasn't it wasn't great because their draft position can be lower. So it, it it so more wins like this are great confidence wise and personnel wise, but it puts more on pressure on them to draft better. This upcoming draft is going to be huge to see what talent they can get because they don't draft the best. And in this past draft, they haven't drafted the best. So I want to see how younger players on the team can develop the rest of the season, and can they continue to draft well. But right now, this is a big confidence booster, and any Patriots fan should be elated that they just beat the Ravens
0: elated indeed first off let's just let's give a kudos on a throw to jacoby myers for the touchdown little razzle dazzle there you know don't see that coming out of the Belichick playbook too often but you know sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get a win and the philadelphia eagles will tell you that to do a super bowl um (laughs) i gotta take a dig there sean uh, but, you know, you mentioned that the star of this game was easily Damian Harris, you know, didn't score any touchdown, but 22 carries for 121 yards just it was carried the majority of the workload Cam Newton only had 17 pass attempts uh, for only 118 yards so it wasn't like this was a stellar game by any means for Cam Newton, but the the Patriots his offense got the job done when it needed and then the defense stepped up big time too but you know you gotta mention we the lamar jackson received so much hype coming into the you know coming this season after having the season that he did last year but he's just yes he can be a difference maker on his feet but when it comes to his arm a lot more teams are way more comfortable playing in maybe a man or even a a few man zone coverage but just because they, they have that confidence of, look, if he's going to take off, we're, we have the ability to wrap you up now because we know what you're going to do. The, this John Harbaugh offense is not as creative as it was. We're obviously seeing the, we're, we're seeing the lack of that now just because teams are putting some spies or even two spies now on Lamar Jackson. They're able to shoot the gaps when necessary. They're calling blitz when necessary. And we're just seeing that he, he doesn't have the intelligence to pull off the reads that he needs to make. So I think ultimately... Wow. This was a solid win. I think just Lamar Jackson just does not have the tools that he personally needs to get the job done uh, for being such a tall running back in a quarterback position. So moving on to my team, Uh, Sean, let's, let's get your reactions before I just, you know, just weep a little bit here. Uh, We lost to the Rams 23, 23, to 16. Sean, go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, I'll keep this brief because I just want to hear you go off, but here are my two takeaways. Number one, who the Rams are legit on defense. Aaron, they have the best corner in in defensive tackle in the NFL. I have said for the last few years that Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the game. Not Stephon Gilmore, which I don't know why anyone would think that. He's not very good, and I think the Patriots should trade him. But Jalen Ramsey, he held DK Metcalf to under 40 yards receiving. DK Metcalf was basically a non-factor in this game. How about Darius Williams? He stretched out and deflected a touchdown away from Tyler Lockett. He is a very good young corner. Taylor Rapp is a good young safety. How about Leonard Floyd, a Chicago Bears castoff with multiple fumble recoveries and three sacks? Leonard Floyd was absolutely awesome incredible for the LA Rams. The Rams are very, very good all around. They're a very dangerous team. They can run the ball better than they than they did last year. Uh, they're very deep at wide receiver. Their offensive line's a little bit better, although still a little shaky. The Rams are a very good team, plain and simple. And they're going to make the playoffs and they're a very dangerous out for any team. You know, I, I would love to see the Rams play the Saints again in the playoffs, but... Let's talk about Seattle. That's my other takeaway. Oh boy, I, I was watching. I was watching Colin Cowherd, and he presented a question that I think sums it up perfectly. Would the Seattle Seahawks win a single game without Russell Wilson? No. I I th- I, I thought about it while preparing for this podcast. I, I I I thought long and hard about it. I don't think they would. They can't run the ball. The offensive line is mediocre. They get to the pass the passer every once in a while but other than that they get no pass rush jamal adams has been an absolute flop of a trade the secondary doesn't make any plays bobby wagner has to do everything by himself and he can't because that's not how the nfl works i truly think they'd be the worst team in the nfl even worse than the jets without russell wilson because here's the thing about the jets the Jets have a couple good receivers, especially Jamison Crowder. They, they have that, at least. The, the Jets also have a okay front seven. An okay front seven. I can't even say that about Seattle. I, the, the the Seahawks and Jets would have a battle if Russell Wilson wasn't playing. Oh, wait, they do play later this year, so fingers crossed that that doesn't happen, because that'd be the worst NFL game. And it it just boggles my mind. What happened to this organization? What happened to developing talent? What happened to drafting? Well, what was the last time Seattle drafted? Well, 2013, I truly think that's, that that's the right answer there. Uh, praise the gods for Seattle fans as you have Russell Wilson, because I have a bad feeling when his play starts to decline, which it has been somewhat this season and going forward, uh, it's not going to be pretty, man. It's not going to be pretty.
0: Yeah, I'm just – I know you want me to go off the same way I did when, you know, we lost the Cardinals or, you know, even the, the Bills, but I, I just can't just because simply – to put to put it simply, Sean, this team is now one-dimensional because there is no running game. And, yes, I, I think that you brought up a very good point, especially Colin Cowherd, who I really enjoy listening to. Uh, this team probably wouldn't win a whole lot against – you know, against really anyone uh, without Russell Wilson, because, you know, we, I mentioned it earlier, he has that drive to win, but now you are truly putting the entire offense on him. Yes. You mentioned, you know, Jalen Ramsey held DK Metcalf to, you know, very little, but it, it also seemed like that chemistry was super off. Cause DK Metcalf, when it comes to height and everything, you know, is significantly larger than Jalen Ramsey and he can, probably outrun him too i would i would have liked to see maybe one of those one-on-one shots taken a little bit more frequently tyler lockett was also shut down as well because the rams do have legitimate defense um but without any running game guess what you can't play a play action which seattle actually likes to use very frequently um you know dj dallas is not a carlos hyde is not a chris carson um not even obviously a marshawn lynch who we obviously look at how that went years ago uh, the offensive line has been complete garbage for the last three to four. Not, I wouldn't even say three to four. like the last six, seven, eight years has just been garbage. Um, the d- defense obviously is no longer the, the Legion of boom that we were accustomed to. There's no Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, uh, Cam Chancellor. That's all gone. Uh, I saw a meme that it said it went from the Legion of boom to the region of room. Uh, just so much, so much available space for wide receivers. And, look at what Jared Goff was able to do. He was And you know, we gave Jared Goff a lot of crap because he's not the most accurate passer. He's able to pick apart a Seattle secondary who is now having the worst, like worst in in NFL history start to their what first nine games of a season. And I don't see that trending down anytime soon. Um, It's, it's, it's sad to see what used to be a quality organization who prided itself on you know, drafting well, and granted, you know we had to get to a point where we had to pay Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, guys like that. But you can't find any talent anymore, really. Yes, I know you got the steal of the draft in DK Metcalf two seasons ago, but even still, you got you have to get more help here. You got to get more. You got to get someone who can put more pressure on the quarterback. Yes, I know you had seven sacks against against Buffalo. You still lost by ten. You still lost by a whole touchdown against the Rams. Uh, and now we got, you know, like I said, the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the NFC coming up on Thursday on short rest. I could see Arizona stealing that game too. Only this time it will be a little bit more convincing uh, with no healthy running game with Russell Wilson, who has now had what, 10 turnovers now. And he's, on, he's trending now from being MVP to having one of his worst seasons when it comes to touchdown interception ratio, just unfortunate to see. Cause now, now obviously this is going to look bad on Russell Wilson, but he doesn't have any help anymore. He doesn't have a running game that he can rely on. So hopefully Seattle can turn things around, um, but granted they have, we'll say, an easier stretch of games coming up as they've got you know, the Jets and Washington and the New York Giants. But even still, we can't count out any team because teams that we counted out before ended up having nail biters on earlier this season.
1: Yeah, it, the, the Seahawks are definitely trending downward. And I'm, I'm just really hoping to see the Seahawks actually give give russ some help because as a neutral fan i I just want to i just don't want to i just like to see russ perform well and seeing him giving no help is it's a bit disheartening to see even from a neutral perspective
0: yeah the biggest thing you ultimately don't want to see is him getting banged up as much as him he does you don't want to see him get injured because no russell wilson and having geno smith fill in that role no thanks uh yeah so Fingers crossed Seattle can turn things around. That's going to do it for us here on Blimey by Sports. Sean, any last-minute notes before we take off?
1: Be, be sure to check out Colin Fuchs' preview of the, of the MLS playoffs. He'll have coverage for the site throughout the playoffs. The, the, this, this, is, this is his sanctuary. Johnny Crane had his for MLB and NHL. Joseph Aducci had his for NBA. And now it is Colin's turn with the MLS playoffs. So be sure to check that out. Round one will come up before the playing game, so be sure to be sure to check that out and go loons
0: yeah go sounders indeed i'm glad glad to hear you say that sean uh <laughs> yeah please like i said look out for my article coming up here within the next couple of days uh yeah for sean clark and myself i've been colin fuchs check us out on thecandyclark.com and at spotify as well we will catch you next tuesday